You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. This is The A-Game, adcom's new podcast, a roundtable discussion where three experts will examine the latest trends in marketing from an agency perspective. With you today is Triple J, Jim Ganser, Jeff Culleton, and Joel Hammond. We'll talk about these topics from the perspective of media, technology, and social influence. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I, I've literally never been better. This is the, the epitome of how, how good I get. I feel great. Wow. I'm doing great. I am happy for Jeff because it's supposed to be cloudy this weekend and he will not get sunburned at uh, Velo Sun. That's a great point. Which last is year a was, charity bike ride here. In last year was a real bad day before. Not good. Not good. Yeah, real red. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's something I haven't let go since I saw the picture. So sorry, Jeff, for bringing yeah, that to me. It really conjures up images of eating lobster or looking like lobster. It turns into a nice golden brown. Just takes a day or two. Yep. Absolutely. So plenty going, <laughs> plenty going on in uh, the city of Cleveland uh, where we're located. Uh, you should really come and see it sometime. It's looking nice. Uh, but generally speaking, what we want to do uh, with every episode is dive into the stories, trends, and topics that matter for marketers. Uh, why don't we start with Jeff? Jeff, what are you what are you following this week? I, I, so I, most of us in some way, shape, or form get inundated with, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk content. Um, I personally very very much like his content, but like most people, you ingest a lot of it, and it gets a little white noise-ish. Um, I think he did a really neat thing earlier this week that I think the marketing community has shied away from in the last little bit and I think is going to make a uh, kind of a massive comeback and end up might end, end up in, uh, unseating uh, some things that we traditionally do. But so earlier this week in uh, one of his LinkedIn posts, I caught a hashtag uh, that I, I hadn't seen in a while and uh, or that I'd never seen before. It's called first in line. And so Gary started talking about uh, how noisy his social channels has gotten. One of his big things is being able to have some sort of one-on-one engagement with so many people, but as that gets bigger and bigger, it becomes so much more difficult. Uh, so he, he started uh, talking about first in line, the hashtag first in line, which is kind of a new content source for him. Um, and so basically what it is, <laughs> he goes, he, he tells you to actually Google it. So I Google the hashtag, find out that it's, it's, it's basically a text SMS program that he's starting and it's more of a one-on-one conversation really the execution of what is, is what stuck with me so once you text you know five five four four five five to gary v you you automatically get back a form and this works maybe it's not uniquely but it, it works well for him because he's built such a trust with his audience that level of content he produces, the the level of honesty he traditionally uh, displays. He just, you know, his his audience has a lot of trust in him. Uh, and then he, he gives a, a relatively extensive form um, surrounding you, your likes, dislikes. It's a profile center for all intents and purposes. Some people know, some people don't, but Gary uh, is in the process of a partnership with um, K-Swiss, you know, a brand a lot of us know from when we were younger, don't put a lot of stock in now. Um, you know, he's building up a, a sneaker for entrepreneurs. 
whatever that means. But, you know, he's got his own line of sneakers. And so throughout this forum, he's asking you, you know, what channels, what methods you like to be communicated with, what kind of content you like. Um, and, and then he drops in two questions into this form. One, what's your shoe size? Two, what's your sweatshirt size? Hoodie size, I believe he says. But, you know, never saying you're going to get these things, but, you know, kind of loading in some, some anticipation into it. So all this is all well and good. And, it, you know, there's a, a very immediate responsiveness back via text, you know, and then he's going to start dripping you content via text. And the thing I immediately think about is I've spent so much of my marketing life in email. And email is just a workhorse. It is uh, highly cost effective, but it's gotten so noisy that the first thing we all do whenever we start engaging with our email during the day is we just naturally delete the things that have become ubiquitous. Over and over again, you get hit with your Gap or your Banana Republic or whatever email it is in the morning. And until you, yeah, exactly. Until you need it, you those things just call on. There you go. Yes, thank you, Brooks Brothers. No, so now you're coming at me personally, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's becoming a um, it's becoming a medium of white noise, and I'm just starting to think through. You know, SMS has been you know a channel that people so frequently use amongst each other. But in the, you know, in the brand world, it's, it's dangerous a little bit. It's highly litigious. Like there's just, you know, lawyers that will go and, and troll the terms and conditions uh, of, of particular agreements and try and put together class action suits. That being said, man, I can't think of a better one-to-one mechanism for a brand to reach people yeah. right now that is not being utilized. Uh, not not being utilized, but just has so much upside, has so much ceiling on it. And so I've just I've I've started thinking a lot about it, and I you know I don't have a a definitive, but I open up the conversation to it because I think there is a tremendous number of SMS strategies. Uh, technology has gotten automated and intelligent, and you know there's a lot of ways that it can be used, and we need to we need to start kind of mixing it in Um, and we need to start being smarter about it because uh, you know nothing nothing gets your attention more than something that pops directly to your screen and when you first brought this up the 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 immediate takeaway was yeah this makes sense my social feeds are very cluttered and I feel like it's harder for for us for anybody um, to you know we can do it but it seems like it's getting more complicated by the day right Th- think to my own experience mm-hmm. aside from any sort of paid or targeted posting but you know Facebook is supposed to be the smartest company in the world and I'm a big Cleveland Indians fan and I have to search for Cleveland Indians content on Facebook mm-hmm. so when you when you first mentioned this it, it took me to that, that that initial takeaway like I have to go search for things on Facebook that I want I get served Chicago White Sox content I don't I have no idea why I'm an Indians fan mm-hmm. So how do I get in front of somebody without having them? And, and text message is the ultimate push notification, right? It, and it's, it, it's a breakthrough thing, you know, and uh, you, when you first brought it up, it was like, wow, this, this is spot on. This is spot on. It, it's, it's something that in, my, in, in a former stop, you know, it's something I don't think a lot of companies don't have the perfect solution yet. I think, that, yeah. you know, companies are still trying to perfect this. Um, but but if you can, it's a gigantic weapon for you. Mm-hmm. I think it, it actually highlights something that I find very interesting is uh, the numbers we ourselves, brands, 
uh, decide to focus on. So one of the numbers that people decide to focus on in email is number of subscribers. That makes a lot of sense. That's my reach. That's the number of people I can talk to. When anybody who's been in that or any you know one-to-one relationship type mechanism, you know that having 700,000 subscribers is great, but how many of those people do you engage with? So SMS is, you know, the game is direct engagement. So you might have significantly smaller numbers, but you might be working with those people on a whole deeper level. And that's very interesting to me right now because I think um, I think white noise is the term that keeps bouncing around in my head where we keep spending a lot of money on white noise mechanisms, white noise mediums, and are there things that we can access smartly and tactically that can get us through the white noise? That's It's just... I don't have a good answer for it, but I was, you know, you know, Gary's known to be somebody who is slightly ahead of the curve. And as soon as I, I, I read it and I went through his process, I went, you know what, there's something there that we need to start exploring more readily mm-hmm. um, because it's 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 a it's a highly adopted medium for personal use and not a highly adopted medium for brand use. And I, I'm seeing a ton of applications. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what I like about this. Um, it's actually somebody operating from the perspective of what's the way that my audience wants to get their information. That's a good point. So many times, um, you know, stop me if you've heard this before. It's like we just want somebody to give us their information so that we can communicate with them, but we want them to come to our website. We want them to fill out a form. Yeah. We want to hit them in their social media feed. People don't want that. People want to communicate through their mobile devices in the way that they communicate. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're not making phone calls anymore. So when you put yourself in a position to um, change the conversation with regard to marketing by actually opting into the way that people want to communicate with one another, you're putting yourself in a better position to build loyalty, first and foremost. But I keep going back to like the entire time that I've been working in media, there was kind of like this running joke of every year is the year of mobile. Mobile's coming. <laughs> this is mobile. Mobile's the year. This is the year. Come on. But you know what we get every year with regard to mobile advertising? We get terrible banner ads. We get horrible um, overlays. Um, We get really poor user experience. And really, when you think about mobile as a medium, first and foremost, it's a communication channel. This is not an advertising canvas. This is a way that people communicate with one another. So if you put yourself in a position to actually be able to communicate with your audience through text in a way that people want to communicate puts you in a better position to deliver the ultimate result that you're looking for. And Gary's, sorry, Jeff. I mean, Gary's good. I I know Gary is a businessman and and he, but he's not directly selling you. You 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 mentioned a partnership with Case was fine. I get it. But he's not directly selling you. Um, And like Jim said, I mean, there, there are ways for a company who is out to make money to use this mechanism as a way to just communicate to you, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. you know. What a novel idea. Yeah. We're just going to communicate with you instead of just forcing whatever it is that we're trying to sell down your throat. Well, and I think it, I think it may. Like K-Swiss, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, they're cool sneakers. Um, I think the onus then goes on a brand to communicate less, but with more effective messages. So the, the one, the, the, the example that, just kind of jumped out to me. I don't know why, because this this seems to me to be a really good mechanism for 
you know, higher end purchases. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of money on something. This made sense to me. I don't know why my brain naturally gravitated towards a dealership setting. So you go to a dealership, you're looking for X kind of car, but you know, the sales experience just isn't great. And you don't like being there. They might not like, you know, selling you, you know, um, it's this is highly stereotypical, but you know, it's the narrative about car sales. Um, you know, I, I view a, an instance where, you know, you're, you're opting in from a mobile perspective and, you know, in a very detailed manner, giving them what you want. And then you're getting updates, you're getting notifications uh, via SMS about a price drop on a car mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Then you're able to much more readily communicate with somebody as that's happening. And that feels like a win-win for both sides. Um, once again, I, I, I think there's a lot of applications. I think there's a lot of hurdles or due diligence is a better probably way to say it about you know uh, how litigious um, SMS is and doing the work properly so that you don't get sued. Um, but fact of the matter is there's there's a gap there. There's an there's an opportunity, and that's the people want way people want to be communicated with. To your point, so it just it struck me. I you know I like. Um, yeah, I like when Gary exposes stuff like that. So it hit me. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. I think it's something that we'll start playing around with a little bit more um, on some more fringe use cases to see if we can find something that has some real impact for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that you brought up a couple of times is white noise with regard to social media feeds. Uh, my first reaction to that was, you know, given the fact that Joel is a director of social media, he hey just, just called your baby ugly. <laughs> He done. He done. Did it. Let's just say um, this: Joel's actual children are very attractive. They're, they're very cute children. Cute, yeah. They're very nice they're pretty cute, children. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I called his work baby ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, the more that you experience social media, the more that you read up on marketing opportunities in social media, the more you hear pay to play come into into effect. And you know, just given the fact that. You know, more people are engaging in social, but they're doing it across multiple channels. Mm-hmm. We read a stat um, a couple days ago. Average person has 3.3 social media channels. And a lot of brands are just kind of blanketing all the content across all channels. You know, it's it's a big challenge. It's like, just, Joel, what's your, what's your take with regard to social media management across multiple channels for, for brand marketers? And what's... How do you avoid this white noise type situation? Who's who's really doing it the right way? Or what are categories? I mean, even outside of brands, I mean, even into sports, yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Like, how do you keep up with this? This is a huge challenge for marketers. It's a big challenge and um, you know, the best the best do it um, in this way. They have different content for each platform. Now that's difficult for some, mm-hmm. you know. You know, smaller companies who don't have those resources. Um, it, that's difficult. It can yeah. be difficult. But the best at it, for the exact reason you mentioned, why do I need to follow uh, Jeff Calton's um, uh, mustard company? Uh, do you have a Ooh. mustard company? I do not no. currently. You know, there was. You know, Cleveland is has two excellent uh, we mustard do have two companies. Excellent. Yes, there was the Calton Ice and Ice Cream Company. Hmm. Little known fact. Oh, yeah. yeah. So why do I? Why should I follow the Carlton Ice Company, Ice and Ice Cream Company? Thank you. Which sounds interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure of the business model, but uh, <laughs> this is a long time ago, Joel. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, 
Why should I follow them on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, if on every platform I see the same content? There's no reason. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. So again, that's difficult for some brands and, and for some companies whose whose content is not terribly sexy and you know you know working for a pro sports team, it's one thing. You have content, you have more content than you can possibly yeah. do anything with. Mm-hmm. Um, for manufacturers and and other companies like that, it's a little bit tougher. But there are ways to tailor that in ways that. Uh, I don't see the same stuff, and I, I have a reason to follow you across across those platforms. I'd like to see more companies, and I don't see this happening a lot right now, that are comfortable enough in themselves and those and know those channels enough to say, ah, that's not for us. Yeah, this isn't our thing. Yeah, you know, Facebook doesn't, you know, it just doesn't line up. Whatever, you know, Twitter. We're not a Twitter. We're not a Twitter organization. Or, or at the very least, which is what we've done with a couple of clients, is is to. Um, study and and know 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 that and then optimize yeah. your resources and um, so if a platform underperforms and you've you've tested certain things which we have and and you realize maybe in that industry maybe that platform simply isn't just a performer for you 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 need to have a presence but don't devote a ton of resources to that to that platform optimize your resources your content for those platform your time your hours to those platforms that do perform for you, and mm-hmm. and that's how you see the best success, and and um, it's something we've we've seen with 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 some clients, and and we've as long as you know, you know, you gotta you gotta look at the numbers. You need to know what's what's doing what, and then you optimize from there. Can I tell you my favorite <clears throat> trend in social? I don't think it's actually a trend in social, but it's a favorite trend that I see in social, which makes me very happy. You remember, like five years ago, when you would give the keys to your social accounts to the youngest person. Because they got it, mm-hmm. like drove it always drove me insane. That was oh, we'll just give it to Steve because you know he's young, he gets it, he understands Instagram, and I think a lot more companies are understanding now that social is now your hood ornament, and it is the it is the lead on so many things. It is the lead way that people, you know, interact with you, understand you, see you. And that is of the utmost importance for the, the leaders of an organization mm-hmm. to be managing that, to have a handle on the tone that they want the organization to set. Because as soon as you give that over to the youngest person in the organization, you open yourself up to a tremendous amount of risk. But you're also, you're never going to be authentic in it because you're just, you're handing it off. And so I, it's not a trend. It's just something I've seen happen a handful of times lately. It's making me very happy mm-hmm. that the leaders, you know, the, the, the tip of the spear of an organization is looking and saying, it is my responsibility to be this megaphone. And that, I mean, that, you know, obviously that transitions into those people also being personalities themselves, um, which I think is very meaningful in creating content on their own conversation I had earlier today. Um, but I'm just, I'm happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Keep talking. I want to find a. Uh, I'm trying to find a tweet from. I could keep talking. A young lady. Uh, sorry, real quickly. Uh, let me try. Gosh, I wish I knew who I was. Anyway, a young lady who runs the University of Michigan Social, really influential in this space, had a great perspective on that very thing, and I want to get it right, but I'm taking too long, so never mind. No, it's I, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Joel Hammond. Fact, fact of the matter. Here you go. Yeah. I got there it. There you go. Oh. Zing. So you you know you mentioned that and and there's a, lo- a long running joke in the industry I came from where oh yeah it's it's the intern it's the intern and yeah. and you know it's far more important than that and so first people uh, first place people connect first place people complain first place people celebrate first line of defense 
you know, and that's an important space to um, be in. Certainly, there's a there's value to having young people and knowing what's going on on the platforms, but certainly there needs to be some um, some influential people to know, you know, to to be that face. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when you start talking about social media, and obviously my perspective, given my background, is always going to be on the media side of things. And you know, so many clients um, try to lump in social media with paid social, and really they're they're two completely separate things. Paid social is really just advertising. Mm-hmm. It's an advertising channel. You use it the same way you would use display advertising. You use it the same way that you would do native advertising. Great targeting. It's great targeting. In fact, you know. It, it sounds ridiculous, like, you know, go back in time about five, six years, people were talking about, you know, B2B marketing acquisition through LinkedIn. We're now at a point where we're seeing some of the best results that we've ever seen for B2B marketers through Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Facebook. And let me soapbox for a minute about Ooh, Facebook. Here we, here we go. go. Here we go. All right. We need like a, we need a, we need, we need music anytime. It's like a sand, it's like a soapbox. Actually, uh, I think you should get call. an actual soapbox. Yeah. 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 But go. I, hey, I know there's a lot of controversy with Facebook. I know that it's not cool, but you know what it has? It has people. It has people coming to it. It has millennials coming to it. I'm going to break some news for you. Millennials are on Facebook. I'm just going to throw it out there. You know how many times I've been told that millennials are not on Facebook? They're on freaking Facebook. What people mean is the generation behind millennials aren't on Facebook. Yeah. That's what they mean. But they, those people will be. They will. Yeah. <laughs> Let me throw out a stat for you. 80% of millennials are on Facebook. And while everybody's revolting against it, they want Twitter, they want to run through Snapchat, they want to do this, that, and the other. They've got the highest concentration of daily users and multiple daily users. 75% of those that have Facebook accounts go on on a daily basis. And then you got Twitter on the other hand where you got about 46%. So you really got to think about it from the perspective of what's the opportunity for reach when you're using some of these channels. I mean, you know, some people don't want to cross over their advertising with their organic social. But at the same time, you got to be able to leverage both sides of it. You know, whether we're talking about Twitter, whether we're talking about Facebook, whether we're talking about any of them, um, you got to be able to look at it from the perspective of um, opportunity and, and operating from a position of strength. So, you know, we've, we be, we're, we're seeing B2B marketers having success within these four walls in our organization actually converting um, very low funnel metrics through paid social channels. And it's not just, you know, content promotion. It's actually low funnel medium for us. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It just it, it bothers me when I hear people, like, using broad sweeping generalizations. Especially in our world, we should know better. So, let me just throw it out there. I remember a conversation, <clears throat> a client conversation about six months ago about this exact thing of, you know, Facebook doesn't... Um, you know, being on Facebook doesn't make sense. From our perspective, we're B2B. And it was you. You said... Our that, customers aren't on Facebook. Yeah. So everybody's customers on Facebook. You're just assuming... Everybody's on Facebook. You're assuming that Mary is only work when Mary's at work. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mary's on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever else. Newsflash, these are actual <laughs> yeah. human beings. Are. Your, your customers are human beings. And so while it yeah. might not seem to be the most apparent awareness mechanism... For people or completely aligned with your brand. The eyes are there, man. I, I was shocked when I joined AdCom at the level of passion and, and engagement that an audience of a B2B company has. It's 
it's crazy. Yeah, you know, man. I mean, I, I know that's not that's not a blank sh- shouldn't be considered a blanket statement for all B two B companies, but coming from a B two C world, um, seeing the level of passion and engagement that that some of our B two B audiences have, it's it's unbelievable. The it's completely surprised me. I think in in a B two B environment, the thing that we we often don't spend enough time considering is risk mitigation. That is the least sexy thing possible. But these people want to know who you are, hopefully in an authentic manner. They want to know who you are because, frankly, if they make a large-scale purchase in a B2B environment that ends up being a poor decision for the organization, they could get fired. And so the more the more comfort, the more they can mitigate their risk, even if it's just in their gut about you, your company, and who you are, the more it makes sense. And people are people. People are on Instagram and Facebook everywhere, regardless of the, you know, their end client. <laughs> we really need to next week, next time. What are we doing this? Biweekly, monthly? I'd like to do it weekly. We'll have to figure I, it out because, frankly, I think the people want it. <laughs> <laughs> we need a we need a Jim Ganser soapbox sound effect. I'm gonna get don't, a sound don't effect. Don't you think? <laughs> nope, it's not gonna be that this one. This is Jim Ganser soapbox. It'll be different. Soapbox. You know what it could be? It could be a barbershop quartet, just playing over in a short snippet, and then we'll let you go, old man. Yeah. You know, when are we gonna bring back jingles? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we don't really have time to get into this. They but never maybe left. we maybe we seed this, but I mean. Let's face it, um, Joey Gladstone, Oof. Uncle Jesse, they one made of, a career out of it. You know, they did one, of the, well. one of the best to ever do it. Sure, they had to live in somebody else's house <laughs> and watch their children. Well, but you gotta hit, you gotta, in, in order on, to make people, just, Uncle Jesse hey, and the listen, Rippers work, you gotta hit a couple of those jingles out of the park. Man. You yeah. gotta spend money to make money. You yeah. know? I mean, look at the guy. You ended, up playing, analogy, you ended up playing drums with the Beach Boys. Uh, but anyway, uh, this was a good first ride. Um, we're only going to grow and expand and continue to pique more interest. Uh, really, that's going to be it for today. Um, the A-Game podcast. Uh, we're excited to be with you. We have plenty more content for you to enjoy. Just follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, for the latest from our team of experts on current issues facing marketers. Add us on Instagram for a look inside our four walls. Get that culture, folks. Um, so You need that culture. Yeah. You need that. Subscribe on iTunes. Ooh, look at that. There you go. He's a pro. He's a pro, folks. He's a smart one. Signing off. um, We'll catch you next week. Be good.